You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Hey, welcome, everybody. I'm so glad to be with you, even if I'm not with you in person. We have the miracle of cameras and the miracle of video, and I'm able to bring what I feel like the Lord has given to me today to, to give to you. And I believe that if we open God's word and we allow God's word to speak into our lives, that God is gonna speak something so powerful to us that you're gonna be uh, completely enriched and encouraged. And by the time you leave today, uh, you're gonna know exactly what God has called for you to do and be able to take a faith step that I believe God has in store for you. So uh, grab your Bibles if you would. I wanna spend some time in the book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter four. Now, if you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. You can either use your phone if you'd like, or we're gonna put the actual scripture, the text up on the screen so that you can follow along. Second Kings chapter four. And uh, as we get into the, to the word today, I want to remind you that we have a women's conference coming up. I am so excited about what is about to happen in the lives of all of these amazing women that God has blessed our church uh, with. And uh, I cannot wait to hear all the amazing stories that are going to be taking place. Uh, Favorite is coming up. And by the way, it took a lot to come up with that name, Favorite. Uh, you would not believe the things that we've had to walk through uh, to get that. And by the way, uh, since there are so many uh, amazing, amazing people that have great ideas around me, when we first pitched the idea of what it would what it would uh, be named, what would the women's conference be named? Uh, some of you guys came up with <laughs> some of you guys came up with some amazing things. And so, um, I just wanted to share with you a few of the ideas that we have rejected. Uh, some, of, some of those have come from you, some of those from other sources. We will not name names, uh, but I wanted to show you because I thought this was hilarious. So uh, if you wouldn't mind, uh, these are the names that did not make our women's conference list. And so I want to show you a couple of those. Uh, number one, cups, Cupcakes Anonymous. <laughs> no, some of you might actually like that one, but uh, here's, here's the second one, Hot Flash Hotties. I'm not, I'm, nope, not going there. Uh, how about Twisted Sisters? You like that one? That looks pretty cool. Uh, ovulation Celebration. I did not come up with these, so I'm just going to apologize. Uh, these are not mine. I might have come up with that one. <laughs> ovulation Celebration. How about this one? Uh, ovaries Before Broveries. No, one more, one more, one more. Uh, Victorious Secret. <laughs> So I'm thankful that we finally settled on favorite. Favorite, favorite sounds a lot better. Uh, I, I got asked a few weeks back uh, to speak at a women's conference, and um, I actually thought it was a joke. Uh, I, I said, there's no way. You, you must meet my wife. Like, I, what in the world am I going to say to women? I, I offend myself, much less a group of, a group of women. How is this going to work at all? Uh, but they assured me, no, no, no. Uh, we, we, want, we want you to come speak at a women's conference. And so uh, as, I, as I was preparing to speak to them, uh, about what the Lord might be saying, I, I thought, man, I, I've got to learn more about what it means to speak uh, to, to women. Uh, I haven't had this conversation in my mind since I was about 13 trying to figure out what in the world I'm going to say. Uh, and so uh, I decided to go to the Holy Trinity of Women's Studies. So I went to Home Goods, Starbucks, and Target, uh, and I just watched women, studied them, watched the way that they interact with each other, um, watched them try on clothes, and I realized... <laughs> I realized something, something powerful, something, something strange occurred to me. Uh, they do not like that. 
They do not like that at all. That is really creepy for a girl man to do that. And so um, I'm just going to have to speak with the word of God. That's all that I know. And believe that as we speak, that God is going to speak something, not just to the women in the church, but but to the men. And then uh, hopefully we'll have an amazing women's conference where you can hear from another female that knows a lot more about you than what I do. So 2 Kings chapter, chapter 4, I want to talk today about the power of vulnerability. Often the greatest single step of faith that you will ever take in your life is done by being vulnerable. The power of of vulnerability. Now, nobody likes to be in a vulnerable position. It's not something where we're like, hey, I get to be vulnerable today. Uh, I don't think any of us ever want to, to have to be vulnerable, uh, but there are some incredible things that are unleashed. Uh, vulnerability has great power in the, in the kingdom of God. And so in 2 Kings chapter 4, there's a very vulnerable woman that, that comes to Elisha, the man of God, and she brings him uh, a powerful story uh, about what has happened to her in the life of her family. Uh, she finds herself kind of at, at a loss. Uh, she, she doesn't know where to turn or what to do. She's lost her husband. She's about to lose her sons. Uh, she's down to nothing. And in this moment of great desperation, her vulnerability comes through as she approaches the man of God, Elisha, and, uh, and asks for help. And so we pick it up in chapter four, starting in verse one. Let's just read through the next few verses together. It says this, a certain woman cried out to Elisha saying, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And there's a creditor coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. They're going to repossess my children. This is something that could be done in those times. If you were, uh, if you were in debt, if you had run up a bunch of credit, then they could actually repossess your children and take your children uh, to be slaves. And so this woman is, is like, I'm about to lose my boys. Now, I know for some people, they're like, hey, take these kids. I, I, ain't want, I want nothing to do with these kids. But recognize the, the vulnerability and the desperation of this woman. These, these two sons are her livelihood. And in this culture, this would mean her future. So she's in a desperate place, not just losing her husband, but about to lose her kids. And it says this, so Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? He says, tell me, what do you have in the house? So she comes to him looking for answers. And just gets more questions. And that that's, that's, just screams out to me from the text, uh, uh, it, it helps me to find something in common with, with, with the word as I'm reading this because there's been many times in my life that I, that I cried out to God in desperation asking God questions and just got more questions. Have you ever been there? I need an answer, but I got a question. And this is what happened. She said, my, I've lost my husband. I'm, I'm, I'm losing my kids. I've got nothing. He said, well, what do you have in your house? And tell me, you know, what, what do you want me to do for you? And she says this, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. I'm down to nothing but a little bit of oil. Then he said, go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons and pour it into all those vessels, set aside the full ones. And so she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass that when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there's no more vessels. That's all that we've got. That's all we were able to find in all of the town and all of our neighbors. We brought everything that we could have. There's nothing left. And in this moment, the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go and sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons go live on the rest. Nothing short of a great miracle happened from a moment of great vulnerability. I want to talk today about the power of vulnerability, what it means 
and how it's completely different in our culture when we just even uh, think about the word vulnerable. I want to show you that biblically there's great power in vulnerability. Here's the first thing. If you're a note taker, I want you to write down uh, one of three things that I think are very important to you, things that I think God is going to speak to you out, uh, out of the text today. This is what he showed me, and I want to share it with you. So number one, if you're a note taker, go ahead and write this down. Number one, vulnerability changes how we see things. That's one of the greatest powers of vulnerability. Uh, it could change how we perceive. And by the way, if you're a child of God or if you're not a child of God, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, if you're living life with yourself on the throne of your own heart, uh, vulnerability will still change the way that you see things. But you could have two very different perspectives based upon your relationship with God. You see, if we have Christ living on the throne of our heart and we're vulnerable before him, we have hope. We believe that if I put my issues into the hands of Jesus, then what comes back is something that I'm gonna get, uh, I'm gonna get direction from him. There's, there's hope there that things will change. Now, if it's me on the throne of my own heart, my vulnerability uh, makes me see things that I, I don't really have a lot of hope there. But vulnerability by itself has the power to change the way you see things. It changes our perspective. It changes how we process and it just makes everything cloudy if we're not careful. Um, I love how Elijah says, what, what do you want me to do for you? And tell me, what do you have in your house? I like those questions. Once again, she comes looking for answers. She gets more questions before she ever gets a directive from the man of God. He says, what do you have? What do you want me to do for her, for you? Because this is what, this is what I know, and I want to make sure that you see this. God often reveals himself through the rhetorical. And this is a pattern, by the way, that, that is echoed over and over in Scripture. God asks questions, rhetorical questions, instead of just giving us an answer. Think of how many times there's a rhetorical question that Jesus himself asks, stuff like, do you want to be healed? To a person that's obviously in need of healing. Jesus asked him a very rhetorical question. Do you want to be healed? And God often reveals his power through the rhetorical questions. Think about the woman at the well when he's like, hey, won't you go call your husband? And the truth comes out, outside of that rhetorical statement that she's had five husbands and the one she's living with now is not her husband. Jesus gets right to the heart of the matter with what was rhetorical. There's many times where God reveals some of the greatest the most powerful things through the rhetorical questions. What do you have? What do you want me to do for you? The, the prophet asked this woman. And she says, all I've got is just a little bit of oil. I don't have much of anything. I'll, I'm at a loss. He's like, no, you don't, you don't see what you, what you do have. There's a rhetorical question here, and God often reveals himself through the rhetorical. I was thinking about Jesus when he's having a conversation with Peter. Peter has denied Christ and has gone back to his old life of fishing, has completely just lost it. And when Jesus has breakfast with him and starts restoring Peter back to himself, he just asks Peter a rhetorical question. Do you love me? Peter's like, yeah. Do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And think about the power of a rhetorical question. God loves to reveal himself through the rhetorical question. It exposes our vulnerability. God often reveals himself through the rhetorical. And I think when God is asking us those questions, like this woman, we, we tend to see what we don't have. We tend to see, well, what's not enough. We tend to see our problem and not recognizing that God's asking us what we do have, not what we don't have. We tend to see things that way because vulnerability has the ability to, to change the way our, our perspective is working. But God loves to reveal his power through what is not enough. 
We also see this power, and it's, it's just echoed over and over throughout Old Testament, New Testament. God often does fantastic things with what man said was not enough. Think about how many times Jesus fed thousands of people with what was not enough. A few loaves, a couple of fish. Jesus loves to do powerful and miraculous things through what is not enough. It's echoed over and over throughout the Bible. And uh, honestly, when you have this, when you have this revelation, uh, things will begin to change for you. In the middle of vulnerability, there's, there's an opportunity for great revelation. And so if you're, if you're in church today, if you're studying along today and you're, you're at a place where you're like, I'm, I'm at a vulnerable place in my life, Pastor, notice this, that there are powerful things that God wants to reveal to you because of your vulnerability. As a matter of fact, let me say it this way. Revelation, revelation itself is often just this, God shining a light on what we've often overlooked. God loves to do that. God loves to shine a light on something that you've seen a thousand times, but all of a sudden when God sees it, it's different. Vulnerability has that, has that a crazy power, that crazy ability to change how we see things. And when God begins to speak, we get revelation. We start seeing things that we've looked over a thousand times, and it looks different when God says, wait a minute, you, you have a little bit of oil. Oh, you have this, you have that. Revelation is God shining a light on what we've often overlooked. So she has this a little bit of oil. I wonder, what do you have? What do you have that's not enough? What do you have that you're looking at it as a, as a vulnerability? today, that God might be looking at it as the seed for something miraculous. God loves to do a lot with a little. Uh, I'm reminded of Moses. Uh, when Moses got the call to ministry to lead God's people out of Egypt, the Bible says he didn't want anything to do with this. Like, God, I, you've got the wrong guy. I am not enough. Uh, I can't speak very well. I don't have anything. And, and God spoke to Moses. says, what do you have? Moses was like, I don't have anything. He said, what's in your hand? He says, I've got a, I've got a staff. <laughs> God says, throw it on the ground. He throws his staff on the ground, it becomes a snake. Now think about that. Moses in his vulnerability saying, I don't have anything. Well, you've got something. And what you have in your hand is often exactly what God needs to do powerful things. But there's a vulnerability that must take place where you recognize that what's not enough in my hands becomes more than enough if I can place it into the hands of the Lord. There's a vulnerability that has to happen there. Um, Man, a little boy's lunch, a little flour, a little oil, uh, multiple stories. Uh, the widow's might. God often takes uh, ordinary things and does great things with them. As a matter of fact, let me say it this way. Nothing is ordinary in the hands of an extraordinary God. Nothing. Not even you. I am living proof that an ordinary person can do extraordinary things when placed in the hands of an amazing, extraordinary God. Vulnerability has the way of changing our perspective. Here's the second, second key I want you to see, that there's power in great vulnerability. Look at this, number two, vulnerability creates the best stories. I would venture a guess that your favorite movies, your favorite stories all have moments of great vulnerability in them because this is where we connect with the character. This is where we, we find ourselves bonded to something because it's the vulnerability and that makes a great and fantastic story. The greatest stories in the Bible come from great vulnerability. You know, there was a, a time in my life where I was, I was leading worship and uh, all the rage at the time was Hillsong. If you're not familiar, Hillsong was this uh, group out of Australia that just, just launched worldwide and they had just the greatest music ever. And all of us that were here in America that, that were leading worship or involved in the worship and music scene, we wanted to be just like Hillsong. And man, Hillsong this, Hillsong that. 
and uh, you'd be surprised. I mean, we wanted to look like them, act like them, think like them, sing like them, write songs like them. It's Hillsong, 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 just the greatest thing ever. Dude. And so, uh, I mean, we would, we would fake Australian accents, <laughs> just, just, just try to sound Australian uh, because it was so cool back in the day. And uh, I remember after watching all their videos and, and the things that they put out, um, that, that they all wore the same pair of pants. And so I started researching the jeans that they were wearing, and they were these super skinny jeans. They're called nudie jeans, N-U-D-I. And uh, I was like, maybe the power of what they're doing is found in the fact that they're all wearing the same pair of pants. I was young, don't judge me. <laughs> but they're all wearing nudie jeans. So uh, I looked them up, and it turns out they weren't even made in America at the time. You couldn't get them in America. And so that just made me want them even more. Um, and so uh, they were like three or $400 for a pair of pants. And I was like, man, I have to have those. But, you know, I'm, I'm a lowly worship leader, like three or 400 bucks. Might as well be three or $4 million. I ain't got that. And so uh, I, I went to a, a store that made some fake nudie jeans. We call them foodie jeans. And uh, here's the crazy thing. Like, you're supposed to put these jeans on and you, you get in a cold bath with them and they like conform to your legs. So it makes them super skinny. Like, don't judge me. I'm, I'm trying to be vulnerable here. <laughs> And so uh, you get in a bathtub and they, they would just kind of form to your legs and they'd become like custom made jeans. And uh, so uh, I remember the first time I was going to, to lead worship or, or to preach or something and I, I wore those jeans. And I was so proud of those jeans. And I'm, I'm just strutting back there waiting for my chance to get on stage because I got the Hillsong jeans, man. And uh, as I was walking up to the platform, like they're, they're introducing me, like it's the moment for me to step up there and do what God has called me to do. Uh, I took a step. I took one step and those jeans ripped. And when I say ripped, I don't mean like there was a hole in my jeans. They ripped from one kneecap all the way around the crotch to the other kneecap. Like the entire seam was gone from knee to shining knee. And let me just say, you, there's no coming back from that. There is no, uh, perhaps I can just stand a certain way and people won't notice. Like you're in trouble, you're in big trouble. And uh, I remember looking at the people on stage, I'm like, just keep going, keep going, keep going. And so they, uh, they launched into another song and they went for it and I ran to the bathroom and I just tried to, try to just hold my pants together. And uh, thankfully there was a guy in there that had just come from the gym and he had his gym bag in the car and he brought me an extra pair of pants and I was able to go and, and finish up the night. But I will never forget that time of great vulnerability. And let me just tell you, I'm able to share that story today. First of all, because the Lord has healed my heart. <laughs> But because out of that great vulnerability, I realized that that story and what happened that night has bonded a lot of people's hearts to mine. Because it wasn't my great preaching that helped people to trust me. It's the fact that I'd gone through something and had an embarrassing moment that became a fantastic story that they never forgot. I'll tell you what, when you preach messages like that with great vulnerability and you tell stories and you're sharing and you connect with people, um, they'll never forget it. Because the greatest stories come from great vulnerability. There's power in there if we're willing to share that vulnerability. Um, let me say it this way. We connect best. We connect with people best, not through life's wins, but through the vulnerabilities. This is how we connect to one another. I wonder what connections you may be missing out on today because we're not taught about the power of vulnerability, about that faith step that we can take to become more vulnerable. So Elisha tells this woman, go get your boys and tell your sons to go and borrow all these vessels. Don't just borrow a few, borrow everything you can from your family and friends. Uh, make sure that you get not just a, a couple, get a lot. And so these boys have to go house to house to house to borrow all these vessels so that this woman can pour in the oil that God is supplying. 
And I was always wondering, you know, why, why does God do that? Why not just have the vessel that she has just keep filling up every time that she uses it? But something profound occurred to me, uh, and that's this. What is borrowed has to be returned. And if you're borrowing all these vessels in this small village, people are going to start talking about it. And when you have to return those vessels, you have to share the vulnerability in order to get to the win of what God did for you. And this is profound because everything borrowed has to be returned. And it's returned with a story of why you needed it in the first place. There's great power in vulnerability and it tells the best stories. This is a chance for those boys to tell about the goodness of God. And then it's not just this woman's faith that gets elevated. It's everybody around her. They all get a huge faith lift from the story of what God did from her vulnerability. You see, what God has done for you is always meant to be shared. And there are times that you've had a great vulnerability where God came through and did something for you that was never meant for just you. It's meant for you to share it with people so that people can declare the goodness of God and their faith can rise no matter what they're walking through because of what you had to walk through. There's great power and great vulnerability. You know, we can't share the great miracles of God without revealing those vulnerabilities. Here's the third and final thing, and I'll close with this. Uh, vulnerability is essential for a breakthrough. It is essential. Now, this woman comes to Elisha, and her vulnerability positions her for a breakthrough. But it's not just the fact that she was vulnerable, but she was vulnerable, and she got a word from God. She got obedience. She got a step of faith to take. Now, she could have just walked away from Elisha and said, you know what? I'm gonna let these boys be repossessed. I'm just gonna find a new husband. I'm gonna pick up my life and just move on. Uh, but she doesn't. She's obedient. Vulnerability led to a word from God. But she took a step of faith and obedience. And God gave great breakthrough. Vulnerability is essential for a breakthrough. So what is what is poured out for her, that oil that is pulled out, poured out for her, is in direct proportion to the measure of her vulnerability and her willingness to be obedient. And the same is true for you. If we can find a way to be vulnerable and then obedient and take a step of faith. God does what only God can do. Now, unfortunately, most people will never see that because they're not willing to be vulnerable. We're raised in a culture that, uh, that does not celebrate vulnerability. We avoid it at all costs. We will lie. We will pretend things are great. And the American church is built on it. Let's pretend like we're good. Um, and, and everybody else out there, they're the ones with the problems. We don't have any problems here. We're all good. Uh, that is so not true. You know it's not true. I know it's not true. Uh, everyone around you knows it's not true. We're all walking through stuff. You're walking through stuff, and the person next to you is walking through some other thing. It may not be the exact same thing you're walking through, but we've all got our issues. We all need God. We need a Savior. We need miracles. We need breakthroughs. We need hope. Vulnerability is essential for breakthrough. And I wonder how many breakthroughs we never see because we're not willing to take a step of faith and be vulnerable. It's a hard one for a lot of people to take. Let me say it this way. Men, listen up, because I want to speak just to you for, for a moment. Uh, most men are raised to believe that vulnerability and humility are synonymous with weakness. If I'm vulnerable, that means I'm a weak man. If I'm vulnerable and, and, I'm, and I'm humble, that's, that's a weak man. But biblically, that is completely untrue. That's a lie from the enemy that keeps you from ever seeing breakthrough in your family because you refuse to be vulnerable and the Bible calls that pride. Pride. And I want to share this scripture with you because I want to make sure that you see this. Men, listen to me. Look at this scripture. It's so important. James 4, verse 6. 
said, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Could not be more clear. The original language when it says God resists the proud means, means the moment that you decide that you're not going to be vulnerable, the moment that you decide you're going to be proud and walk away from humility, that's the moment that God lines up on the other side and begins to play for the other team against you. Think about that. Do I want the Lord playing with me or against me? When you're on the Lord's side, you can't lose. But God resists the proud. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So most men are raised to believe that humility and vulnerability, those are all signs of weakness. It's not true. As a matter of fact, the opposite is true. Some of our greatest strengths, our greatest stories, our great vision, the great breakthroughs that come from the Lord are all predicated upon our willingness to be humble and vulnerable. As a matter of fact, I bet one of the reasons why you, even, why you even come to this church is you feel like there's a sense of honesty here. There's vulnerability. That's on purpose. What God is doing here is nothing short of miraculous, but it's all built upon the fact that we believe we can be vulnerable with each other. There's great power that's released when we do. We bond together. Scripture says that we are to bear one another's burdens. You can't do that if you're not willing to be vulnerable. So there's a reason why most people never see breakthroughs on, from, from the Lord, and it's pride. Now, ladies, listen up, because I'm not letting you off the hook. Um, I want to make sure that you see this. You have a unique advantage. Ladies, God gives women a unique advantage, the ability to be vulnerable. Guys have a hard time with it, hardest time in the world. Ladies can do it much more naturally. Now, not all ladies, uh, and there's a reason why, I believe, because I, I believe many of us... Uh, can easily become vulnerable, especially if you're a female. You can, you can be vulnerable, but then the world will take advantage of that. The world will find a way to, to take advantage of your vulnerability and then use it against you and treat you like, a, like, like dirt because you were vulnerable and then they come and smash you. But I want to remind you of this powerful truth. Uh, what the world exploits, God expands. Do not throw away your vulnerability. There's great power in it. Ladies, you have an advantage. It's going to take a lot for a man to be vulnerable, but it's easier for you. And so I want to encourage you to take a step in that area. Now, it'd be easy for us to say, you know what? That's a pretty good message. I hear what you're saying. I'm going to work on being vulnerable. Uh, no, 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 no. We're not going to let you off that easy today. This entire series has come down to this moment. One small step. And I believe that if you could take one step, that there's breakthrough on the other side of that. Most people will never do it because they're too proud. But I believe that if God led you here today, he led you here for a reason. And he wants you to take a step. And I'm going to challenge you to take it. I've shared with you my vulnerabilities. There are others that are around you that are doing the same. It's your turn. So as we finish up today, I want you to know that uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity as your pastor as the one that's bringing God's word here today to give you, it, give you an opportunity to be not just a hearer of the word, but a doer of it, to let your faith be followed up by works. You're gonna actually do something with the word that you've heard today. If you believe that what I'm saying is true from God's word, then we're gonna take a step together. On the road that you're seated on, um, I believe that God supernaturally puts you on the road that you're on. And I believe that if you were to look up and down the road that God set you next to, people that are, that, are, that are around you, there are some people around you, including you, 
that are walking through some of the worst moments of their lives, some of the worst seasons and the hardest moments that they've ever had to walk through. And I believe that there's breakthrough right on the other side of your vulnerability. So it'd be easy for us to say, you know what? I care about these people next to me. And yeah, I see that they're walking through some hard stuff and never do anything about it. But what we are gonna do today is we're gonna pray for each other. People are gonna pray for you and you're gonna pray for someone else. So that means at least uh, three, but perhaps four of us are gonna connect together. We're gonna do something we've never done before in our church, but on the count of three, we're gonna stand up together. Stand up, one, two, three. We've all stood up. Great, 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 great. Now, begin to look around, find the eyes of three or four people. Look, connect eyes and say, I got you, I got you. Three or four people, groups of three, groups of four. Let's move together right now. Don't think about it or you won't do it. Take a step of faith. Groups of three, groups of four. If you don't have anyone that's connected with you, raise your hand and other people are gonna raise their hand. You guys are connected with each other. Find each other, find each other. Groups of three, groups of four. Groups of three, groups of four. Come on, you can do this, you can do this. Good, 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 good. I love it. Now, you found your people, your people have found you. God's placed you in this group. Now, you each are gonna ask each other a question. Here's the question that's gonna be happening in our triangles or our squares. Here's the question. How can I pray for you? You're gonna ask people, how can you pray for them? And they're gonna ask how they can pray for you. And you have an opportunity right here. Here's your opportunity. Look at me, look at me, look at me. You can lie. You can joke. You can try to maneuver away. Or you can see breakthrough when you choose to be vulnerable. The choice is gonna be yours. But this is your moment. This is a moment that the enemy does not want you to ever see. The moment where we gather together, Jesus says, when two or three are gathered together and you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. We take that scripture literally. So on the count of three, you're gonna ask people in that group, how can I pray for you? And I want you to be as honest as you can muster up the courage to be. And then we're gonna start praying for each other. And you're gonna pray for someone, the prayer that you hope that they pray for. You're gonna give them your best prayer, the way that you're believing that they're gonna pray for you. You're gonna out loud pray for someone. You may have never done this before, but this is your moment to let your faith be more than just something you talk about or think about or just come to church to celebrate and watch other people do it. This is your moment to step out in faith. One small step of faith. And I believe what God is gonna do is nothing short of miraculous. So how can I pray for you? One, two, three.
as we begin to close out our prayers. Let me just tell you how proud I am as a pastor here at High Ridge to, to see the vulnerability in the room. To I understand and I know that it's not easy to share all the time, right? It's not easy to share where we're at, what's going on, and, and the vulnerability that comes with, with sharing your life with people. It's not easy. So let me, let me tell you how proud we are of you, that, that this is a big step. And we, we are grateful for who you are and what God is doing in your life and being open and honest with people. It's tough. It's not easy, and I get that. But whether you're in the room or you're watching online today, we hope you took that step of vulnerability. And don't, don't just leave it in the room. Let's take it out of these doors when we leave today. Let's, let's be open and honest with people as we leave. Let's, let's pray for people this week. Let's, let's have people pray for us this week. Such a good thing to, to see breakthrough come through because of our prayers, because of what we're, we're bringing to people and we're bringing ultimately to the Lord to see Him do a work in our lives. Such, a, such an honor to be with you this morning. Let me, let me pray over all the things that are going on. Let me pray for, for us. God, we just thank you for today. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for these steps that, that everybody in this room, everybody online that's watching, the, or the steps that we've taken today to be vulnerable with those around us. And because of that vulnerability, we're going to see breakthrough in the burdens and the struggles and the tough things that we're going through, God. We thank you for who you are, that you're a constant source of encouragement and strength for us to step into each and every single day. God, we love you. Amen. Well, I know we've got a few groups still praying, and I'm never going to stop people from praying. I'm not. I shut people down in the first service, and it didn't go well. So... I'm going to let you all pray if you keep praying, but, but let me thank you for being here today. If you're joining us online and you liked what you saw, please, please share that. Um, this is a huge moment for our church, being vulnerable with each other. It's such a big deal. So if, 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 if today meant something to you and you got something out of it, please share it. Um, I'm going to invite the elders forward. Elders and wives are here, as always, as a resource for you to pray with. Um, don't leave today without being prayed for again come down forward and, uh, and meet with an elder. And let me pray for you and dismiss you. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the steps of obedience and vulnerability that we've taken today and sharing our life with somebody. God, we pray that because of that obedience, you will bless every single person in this room, everybody watching online, every single family represented, Lord. The obedience that we've taken today will lead to victory outside of these doors. I pray a blessing over every single person in Jesus' name. And everybody at High Ridge said, amen, amen. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at LV. Or you can check out our website at highridgelv.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit highridgelv.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.